0: Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church podcast. We hope this week's message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's word together. Our mission at Reach is to see lives changed by Christ together in community by loving God, loving people, and reaching our world. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at ReachCommunityChurch.com. Well, my name is... Uh, is Heath. If you don't know me, I'm the lead pastor. Uh, we planted Reach, um, going on <laughs> confession also. Uh, we hit 11 years September the 23rd. Failed to <laughs> celebrate or say anything about it <laughs> two weeks ago. So uh, we turned 11 last month. Um, grateful to still be here, survive COVID, and um, preaching the word. And grateful for another opportunity today. To do that so we're doing uh, a series when I, i'm not we, we preached through a book this summer and when I'm not doing a series per se uh, I preach through the one year Bible we encourage people to be in the word because the word is where our life comes from the word is where we get instructed where we get directed on how and what we sh- how and uh, what we should be doing with our lives and I preach out of something you read, and so this week I'm going to be preaching out of something that comes out of 1 Timothy, which we'll get into in just a little bit. Um, Like I say, most weeks, if you don't know what a one-year Bible is, it's basically a book um, that's broken the Bible down in um, daily reading. So if you open up today's reading, it would give you um, two chapters. I think we're in Jeremiah, middle of Jeremiah. Uh, You'll read one chapter of... Uh, the New Testament and Psalms and Proverbs every day. And in, if you read that in an entire year, uh, you will read the entire Bible uh, and read Psalms at least twice and Proverbs maybe two or three times. So we we value that. And uh, what I'd like to do during this, when I'm doing these, is to kind of uh, encourage you that God speaks. So I'm going to teach out of something that you read. And hopefully as you're reading, you're going, man, what what does this potentially mean for me? And So I'm going to jump right in. Um, we're we're entering. If you didn't know this, um, we're we're this 2023 is waning. Uh, it is close to being over, and uh, a lot of people might have started off January with high hopes of what your life would be like and what you wanted to accomplish and things that you wanted to do. And uh, most likely, statistically, uh, those things are just Notes in a book that you didn't do much with. No judgment if that is you. Uh, Praise if that's not you, and you're 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 kicking butt and taking names because you decided at the beginning of this year you're going to do and be a certain thing. But I have a question for you, and it'll go into what I'm going to say. And if you've not been here for any of my questions, all of these are rhetorical, meaning answer them internally. Not you don't have to yell them out or anything. So uh, here's a question for you: How disciplined is your life you're like oh my gosh (laughs) i came on the wrong sunday but hang with me hang with me uh how vested here's another question for you how vested are you in becoming a better you which is what discipline is for your disciplines to do things that you want to do to change things about you I know you may think that that might be a trick question and he's trying to invite me to some more fitness routine that you've got to get up early in the morning. And I am not. I am not. Um, though if you want to, um, you, you can talk to me afterwards and I'll, I'll, I can see you four days a week at 5.30 to 6.15. Um, here's a, a statement that you may think is a little crazy, but I think it's true. Uh, everyone in this room is training for something. You may be like, I I am not training for anything. You should see my routine. Um, This means everyone in this room is investing their time, your time, effort, and energy into what you are becoming. The real question is, do you know what that is? So you have a limited thing, uh, time. You have a, a limited capacity. You have all of these limited resources you have, and you're investing them into what you're becoming, whether you're doing it intentionally or not. And what I want to talk about today is that we should be intentional about some of the things that we're doing in our life, because if not, I'm 47 years old and a lot of things that have happened in my life have just happened because like I've, I've you know, bad habits, I've just let them happen. And I've discovered, the older I get, is that good habits aren't going to just happen because you want them to happen. You're like, man, this is going to be one of those diet messages and exercise messages. It really isn't, though he's going to talk about that a little bit. <clears throat> I want for us today to try to figure out what it may look like for us to be intentional with what God wants to do in our life. And uh, Paul, in First Timothy, wrote some helpful words to a disciple of his that he had sent to do ministry in a city, um, so that he, this is mostly directed towards Timothy, but I'm going to um, take as much out of it and kind of redirect it towards us. So before we get into the word, let's pray. Oh, God, there's, I'm sure, anxiety in the room for um, what words may come after this prayer. Uh, there may be even guilt uh, and shame about where um, we are, where our discipline is, where our life is, where
1: what is happening
0: to us. And Lord, we want to take control of it, not because we have the capacity to fix it, but we want to uh, submit and surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And we want to be disciplined at training um, ourself and our soul in godliness. And Lord, that's not going to happen by accident. And that's not going to happen just because we desire it to happen. That's going to ha- happen because we trust in you. And so Lord, I-, I pray that these words that we read out of First Timothy would spur us not to shame, not to condemnation, but that they would spur us to effort and energy being directed to becoming the men and women that you have designed and desired us to be. So Lord, would you build us up this morning? Would you would You set on fire? our desire to experience You and worship You and and direct our life to things that will last past this moment that we're in, past these years that we live on this planet. Lord, would You awaken our spirit to You. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So my... One thing today, which is coming directly out of the verses that we're going to cover, is to train yourself in godliness. We're going to talk about, not extensively, but we're going to talk about what that looks like and what that means and why we should direct our life towards that effort. Uh, Before we get into 1 Timothy, I want to give you a little uh, background. So Timothy is a disciple of Paul. He was a young man that Paul began to disciple and mentor And as he began to train him, he began to grow, and God, God, well, God did use him, but Paul began to send him to places that he couldn't go because he was in jail. And he would send Timothy out to encourage the church. And these are letters written to Timothy, Paul's disciple, to encourage and spur him along. He wrote this letter while in prison to Timothy, who was on site in Ephesus, dealing with a church that has had people come in and um, falsely teach things that weren't the gospel and begin to disrupt the church. And Timothy was there and still a young disciple to encourage the people to not forsake Jesus and stay the course of the word and to preach the word. And Just like Timothy, uh, we will not just become the man or women that God designs us to be. It will not happen by accident. And, and my, my hope and my intent of this is, is not that I give you a 10-step thing that you should do every day to be a disciplined, godly person, but to start you on the journey of wanting to desire it. Because if you don't want to desire it, then you won't do it. And if, if in our lives, most of the things that we're disciplined to do, we're disciplined to do them because we want the outcome it's going to come from it. Um, I, I'm disciplined uh, to get up in the morning and go work out because I'm afraid of not doing that. I'm afraid of what my life would look like. I, I'm, uh, I know I don't seem like it and people think that I'm just psychotic and all I do is work out. I'm really not. I'm just afraid of the person um, that I will become if if my life is just uh, or or my, my inner person is given free reign to do whatever he wants to do. Because what what I want to do inwardly is to sleep in every morning. I mean, I, I, I sleep in every Saturday. My wife has a moratorium on alarms. they She doesn't allow one on Saturday mornings. Um, and so yesterday, I stayed in bed until 9 a.m. <laughs> Some of you are like, you got up that early? <laughs> And it was great. I mean, I had to get up. I'm, old. I'm older, my bladder's, you know, I had to get up before that. But I stayed in bed. I got back in bed and, uh, until 9 o'clock. And I think we were in bed by like 10.20, 10, 10.30. 10, so I like got 10 and a half hours of sleep, which my average is probably five to six and a half. It was beautiful. But I say all that to say is he's going to talk about the idea of physical training has some benefit but that benefits temporary so i could spend or you could spend all your life dedicating yourself to some hobby which fitness is a hobby some hobby golf is a hobby um that you think man i'm i'm getting better at this and this is good and i like the things that it does but at the end of this world my waistline or or my physical fitness or my um you know Things that I've accomplished or or your score, your handicap. God isn't going to be like, oh, come on in. You've got a four handicap. Now, God can use those things and he can work with you in those things. But those things only have a temporary outcome. And so Paul has written this letter to encourage, one, to challenge the teachings that are going on, the wrong teachings that are going on, and to build Timothy up. And so we're going to pick this up. Um, we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and doing 10 verses from chap- verse 6 to verse 16. Right before this, in the first five verses of chapter 4, um, he deals with bad teaching that's coming in. And he's like, hey, we, we need to be very cautious of this. And then he starts this line, and this is directed to Timothy, starting in verse 6. It says, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Jesus, being trained by the words of faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. So he's saying, hey, don't forget, most of what is coming against the church, they have a truth. They had heard the gospel. They had responded to the gospel. They knew what the truth was. But then there was these other people coming in and saying, hey, you shouldn't eat meat. You shouldn't get married and putting all these other things because they they looked at the physical as being evil and bad and, and you shouldn't and they were putting these limitations that you would be more, even more disciplined that you have to and not do these things and Timothy's going no that that's not what we've heard from the father and we want to be reminded and that's what he's saying here he says don't forget and help them remember. I've heard this said a lot, and most of us don't need more inspiration. We we need more application. Some of you in this room, you have so much biblical knowledge, and it's impressive, but that biblical knowledge, if it doesn't transfer in how your life looks and how you live, it doesn't matter. Good theology that does nothing to you and the way you look is not good theology. It's just information that you've memorized, but... We, we don't look to the Word of God just to have the right answers. We look to the, Lord of, the Word of God so that it would transform the way we live. And that's what we want. My goal here at the church at Reach isn't to inform you so that you can make a response to the gospel and then that's all you do. My goal at this church is to help you learn to live like Jesus really is the Son of God. And that every piece of you would be reflected by that. And that's the difficult part of what we're going to look at. See, we need to know and grow in the gospel understanding. And this isn't just for the people that are hearing the message. This was written to Timothy. He needs to remember. I think the most dangerous thing that I can do is come up here and preach things that I'm uninterested in allowing God to do in me. Most of what I preach, and you hear this by what I say... Um, is things that God's doing in me, like I'm hearing these things, and I'm I'm confronted and convicted by what I'm hearing, and I'm like I I'm bringing you kind of more on the journey of like, hey, we 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 need this. This don't ever come in here and think that that Heath Cadell is just telling you what you need to do because I've figured it all out. Now I'm 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 trying and I'm doing the best I can to fight for this, but I want us. Go together. Listen to this. Because part of what he's saying here, the, the words of faith and the good doctrine, this is the true gospel. In 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says, For I delivered to you as of first importance that I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with Scripture, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scripture, and that he appeared to... Cephas, or Peter, and then the other twelve. This is the gospel, that we we believe in a God that He came, He put on flesh so that we could know Him. I think the most beautiful thing that we can experience is that we don't have an impersonable God. We don't have a God that's far off, and He started this thing going, and and if you work your way to Him, that's great. He knew we were unable to work our way to Him, and He came, put on flesh, and And made a way so that we could experience him in a way that we could never do on our own. Even pastors have a need to be growing and increasing in their knowledge of Christ. It never ends. As long as we breathe in and as long as we breathe out, God is going to be wanting more of you. There's pieces of your life that you have wholly dedicated to you and you alone. And you're like, you're not saying this outwardly. If someone came to you, you wouldn't go, no, I'm. I'm not holding anything, but we live like we're holding these things. These are mine and not God. God cannot interact with these things. Verse 7, it says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. So these things that were coming in here, these silly myths, they were almost like wives' tale. And he, he was making sure that we understand That the gospel isn't just some story. The gospel is a reality. And we're not going to allow other things in here to corrupt that. Colossians 3, verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above and not things that are on the earth. The gospel is a historical account of the life, death, burial, and resurrection and ascension of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It is not just a story. And that, I think, is the most beautiful thing. I've been listening to uh, a lot of our youth is getting ready to start this series um, where we're going to do apologetics, defending your faith. And there's lots of questions out there that it's like, man, we, we should really know. And this, I feel like the last four or five days I've been watching a lot of videos where people ask these hard questions. And then some guy answers these questions, um, and man, there's so much that we need to know and be able to understand about what God's doing. We can't just say, oh, you know, God is good. And I I think part of the most beautiful part of the gospel is that we have proof that Jesus, not not many good historians will argue that Jesus is, Literally existed. He was a real person. Not many of them will argue even that he was crucified. And not many of them would argue that his disciples say that he raised from the dead. Where the argument comes in and where this is where not just faith because you have eyewitness testimony. You have have works that we have in our Bible preserved for us for 2,000 years that were recorded within a couple of decades. At least that we have proof of from the actual event this isn't something that was written hundreds of years later about a a potential figure this was a person that we can know see train yourself in godliness paul will walk us through this and we'll we'll see some other instructions that he gives to timothy in a little bit and we'll, we'll look at those but what is godliness the Greek word translated godliness, in most English translations, mean a proper response to the things of God, which produces obedience and righteous living. That's our goal. Our goal is not to help you be good enough so that God will accept you and love you. Our goal is for our hearts to be bent to him and we learn to walk in obedience to his purpose, and plan for us and learn to live rightly before Him. See, godliness does not just happen. You have to train for it. No one went out, and maybe not, and if you did this, kudos to you. Um, No one went out yesterday and completed, if you got stuck in the traffic, sorry, I did not do this yesterday, but no one went out yesterday and completed yesterday's half Ironman uh, without first training for it. It would be idiotic. Could you imagine having no idea what an Ironman is and showing up yesterday and being like, I'm here. Okay, let me just run this through. If you're like, I don't even know what an Ironman is. 1.2 mile swim. (laughs) I'm glad they put the swim at the beginning because I would for sure drown (laughs) if it was later. I I mean, like, I'm a good swimmer. I'm not saying that I cannot swim, but like a a 1.2 mile, just go out. Go swim some laps in a pool. 1.2 1.2 miles, swimming. Another <laughs> weakness that I have, and I don't know why this is, but my brain doesn't work very well to tell my legs to kick. Like when you're swimming, most of the power that you have in swimming is in your legs, and I'm like wearing myself out like, I got this! 1.2 mile swim, get off of that, soaking wet, throw on some shoes, get on a road bike, and ride, and remember, remember, this is only half, Ironman this isn't even a full then you ride for 56 miles and then you get off that bike and then you put on your running shoes and you run a half marathon which is 13.1 miles so you'll complete 70.3 miles see some of us look at our spiritual life like the person that would show up to an Ironman unprepared and we're like we can just do it you know it's no big deal I can do it See, if you're not training in godliness, you won't act godly. You won't, you, you, you won't be the man or woman that God intended you to be just because you want it to be. And most of us have seen the results of that. We, we've, we've wanted, I mean, no one reads the Bible and be like, I don't want to be that. I want to be a horrible person. I mean, if you do, like, there's therapy for you. Um, but most people read the Bible and you're like, man, I want this hope. I want this joy. I want this peace. I want it. But it doesn't just happen because we want it. We have to train ourselves in it. So here we go in verse 8. It says, For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserves full acceptance. For to this end... We toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially for those who believe. I think physical fitness is important. I think it helps you live longer. I think it helps you feel better. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. At the end of the day, Your righteousness and your godliness isn't going to be tied to this thing that you do. I don't go in the morning and do a workout and think, God loves me more. I feel better about myself and it works with my emotional state. But it it is only temporary. See, this was written to a predominantly Greek culture, and Greeks were they were big into the games, into the gymnastics. They were at seven, eight, nine years old. They were beginning to be trained in this physical fitness re- regime, re- whatever that word is. Regime? Yeah, that word. Okay. They were they were trained for this because they understood that they were potentially going to be at war at any time. And so they needed to be ready. And I think that the danger for us is because we live in America and we have relative peace and we have all these things going well for us and we can we can live within this little bubble and think there's nothing that's going to happen to me. We need to be prepared for it. We need to understand. And I know this sounds weird, but we're at war. If you are a child of God, you are at war and I don't, we talked about this a little bit last week. I don't know where what's happening in Israel is going to go, but it potentially could be disastrous for us as a world, not just what's going on over there. There's all these fronts. I mean, my 19 year old son, I know, I mentioned this last week, but he brought it up this week. This idea of like, man, so, you know, there's like a war. Um, will, will I be drafted? He's 19 years old, and I'm like, well, you know, if you're in college, you might, you know, not get out of that. And he was. Then he started talking about all these branches, like which branch, like if you had to choose. And I was like, choose Air Force. And th- don't judge me on this, but I, 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 will, I love my son. And I want to see him again. And and statistically, I think they have a higher rate of survival. I mean. Maybe I'm weak, but he's like, oh, with the Marines. I was like, they're the first ones to go in, they're like, Air Force. Um, but all of those things, they were prepared. Like, they understood the, the idea that they trained because something was going to come. Some event was going to happen that they may need to use that training we need to think about this as we train in godliness. We're not just training godless godliness because this is what God wants us to do. We're training in godliness so that we can, when the time comes, respond correctly. And that may not be a war. That may be a war that's in your house. That may be a war that's in your flesh. That may be a war that's going on around you at work. Or that may be the person that slams on the brakes in front of you to pick up a dog. Uh, you, you, you never know. You got to be ready. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Just always looking for examples. Be careful what you share to me before service, because maybe uh. But we need to be prepared. Like this is why he's talking about this reality. Look at this mindset. This is also this is in uh, Matthew six verse nineteen. This is the mindset that we need to have. It says, "Do not lay up for yourself treasures and on earth." where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor where thieves can break in and steal it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Sadly, many of us spend a lot of our waking time building a reservoir of stuff that is temporal. That one day our children... Our grandchildren are going to fight over because we will not take nothing with us. I heard a a preacher preach one time and he actually brought a U-Haul up on stage. Maybe one day we'll have a stage big enough that you could bring like a trailer on top. Um, But they brought a U-Haul in there kind of talking about this reality that we spend all of this effort and energy to have these things and to fight for these things. And they're gone. They, they they don't add to our life. They they give us peace in the moment, but they don't make us happy. See, training in godliness isn't just for now. It is super beneficial for now. Because if you train yourself in godliness and, and you begin to shape your heart so that it reflects God's heart, you'll respond better to people. And it will benefit you now, but it's not just for now. My physical fitness regime right now... Gosh, these words... Um. They are going to benefit me in heaven because in heaven I get a new body. In heaven, I'm not going to be thinking, how many calories is that? No, I'm not going to have those chips. I'm only going to have two small pieces of brownie like I did last night and feel bad about it. That isn't purposeful, but in the future, in eternity, our discipline in godliness will last forever. So here's my qu- my question for you. Not physical training but your training in godliness how's it going how important is it to you that you know what the word says and not just that you know so that you can defend the knowledge of it but that you are actively becoming the person who lives it out so what does that training look like Paul's going to encourage Timothy to do some things. And not that this is a a list that if you do all these things, like you've got it perfect, but this is a a good list to start with. Verse 11, it says, Command and teach these things. Command is not a passive word. And it's not like, hey, guys, you should maybe consider doing these things. Command them. Verse 12, it says, Let no one despise you for your youth. Timothy Timothy is a young man. And this culture... He's getting ready to talk about teaching and training, and in this culture, when someone, the wise, would give the words, like in a synagogue or whatever, they would be the sages. They would be the older people, and here he is, a young man, going against potentially older people that are teaching wrong things, bad theology. And he was saying, hey, don't let them despise you for your youth, and I, I love this piece, but set the believers, an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. So he's not just saying, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about what those people are saying about you. He's saying, keep preaching the word, but let your life reflect what that means in our speech, in our conduct, in our love, in our faith, in our purity leaving an example like what is what does that look like for people around us are they looking at you going man they're they're without a, you know i don't have a reason to hate them like they're not doing anything um and, and i think that's a work to be done the reach is here to help you help me learn to live like jesus is greater so what example are you setting what what are those closest to you Think about Jesus, not what they hear you say about Jesus, but what do people closest to you, by looking at your actions, what do they think about what you believe? Because they aren't listening to your words if your life isn't reflecting it. We cannot preach the gospel and expect people to listen if we're not living out what we preach. Parents, kids are not interested in what you say. If what you say isn't be reflected in what you do. We, we, we teach what we know, but we will always reproduce who we are. And we, I see this in my children. Most of the things that really aggravate me about my children are character flaws in me that they've copied. And I'm like, shame on them that they would ever do that. And then I do it, and I'm like, that's why they do it. Verse 13 says, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to, be, and to teaching. To be taught by the Word. That's what he's saying. We, we need to publicly be reading, which is why we meet, or one of the reasons why we meet on Sunday morning. One of the reasons we encourage you to be in small groups. We want to read it. We want to not just read it, but we want to exhort it, and we want to teach what it says. You cannot be taught something that you do not read or study. Like this is the danger of of even those that have even those in here that have grown up in the church. You have all these verses memorized. Our knowledge, and I find this about myself, like I'll be studying something, and like in those moments when I'm studying it, I have a ready like. I'm ready to give an explanation for this thing that I'm reading, but a month from now, two months from now, a year from now, if I'm not continuing that study, I'll, I'll get very vague. Um, I think it's this is why we have to be committed to studying the Word of God. So here's a question. If, if that is something that Paul is directing, does your time in the Word reflect your need for it? Your reading of the Word is not going to save you. Hear me. The activity of reading the Word isn't going to make you a saved person. But if we're not in the Word, we won't get to know God. We won't be challenged by it. Verse 14. It says, Do not neglect the gift that you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. See, God gives his children gifts to use in building the church. Do you know what your gifts are and are you using them? See, he was encouraging Timothy, remember that moment where you were commissioned, that you were sent out. You may be thinking, well, I'm not a pastor and I'm not Timothy, I'm not on a mission field. But every single person in this room that calls on the name of Jesus as your Lord and Savior has been entered into this job of proclaiming his gospel to the people that are around you. Don't forget about what God did to begin with. Verse 15. Practice these things. Immerse yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. Keep close watch over yourself and the teaching. Persist in this. And so by doing, you will say both yourself and the hearers. Keep. Doing this. It takes a lot of effort and energy to can be, continue to be disciplined in wanting God to change you, of being in His Word. Because um, one of the dangers, and I want you to read the one your Bible, um, one of the dangers of being committed to reading it every day is that some days you will read it and finish reading it And forget everything that you just read. I I, I don't want that. I mean, I'd rather you get fixed on one piece of what you're reading that day and, and God stirs something in you than you feel like, oh, I need to get through this so I can check my box. So what do we do? I want to encourage you, like I said at the beginning, that none of this happens without the help of the Holy Spirit. This idea in uh, John 15 that I am the branch, I am the vine, you are the branch, any man who remains in me and I in him, he can do much, but without me he can do nothing. Like there, there's... If you hear all this and you're like, I'm going to be disciplined, I'm going to train myself in godliness, but you leave out the work and power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be on a fool's errand. Have you submitted... To the Holy Spirit. I think one of the uh, best things that you can do in the morning. Before you do anything else. Is to verbally or mentally just say. God. I need you. Like this. In John 17. Jesus said. It is your benefit that I leave. Because if I don't leave. The helper. The counselor. The comforter doesn't come. And that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. To be our agent of growth inside of us he's what builds us is what teaches us what gives us the understanding and we need to submit to that the next thing are you surrendered to the lordship of christ and i really say that because if these are just words that help shape you to be a better person you're in trouble but if they're the words of god then we have to submit to those things And my last thing, are you you ready to live like those two things are true? I'm going to get our worship team to come back up here. There's a a parable that Jesus shares, uh, I think in Matthew 7. It says, everyone who hears these words and puts them into action is a wise man that builds his house on the stone, on the rock. That story has two people hearing the good news, hearing the truth about God. One of them builds on it and the other doesn't. And the storm came and washed away the one that was built on sand, but the one that was built on the rock stayed. I would love to be able to tell you that... If you submit to the Holy Spirit, if you surrender to Christ's lordship, that there'll never be a storm that comes your way. But I would be a liar. Because this story, the storm, hit both people. And and part of the reason why we train for godliness is to prepare for the storms that are coming. The one that didn't build their life on anything didn't just lose his his life. I mean, his house, it was... It was utter destruction. You're training yourself for something. The question is, what are you training for? Hopefully you didn't sit in these. Um, and if, you need, if you're gluten intolerant, we do have gluten-free um, things. Miss Rebecca will gladly give you one if you need one, if you'll raise your hand. The thing i love about communion is it's an open acknowledgement to the reality that you cannot save yourself your work did not go into your salvation your work won't fix you and make you holy and pure his work will the night that Jesus was betrayed before the disciples even knew what was going on or what was happening he he did this with them he broke the bread and he said this is my body that was broken for you it hadn't been broken yet to them and then he poured the cup and he said this is my blood of the new covenant that will be shed for you as long as you do this do this in remembrance of me and so one of the best ways to start if you need to or continue Um, in your training for godliness is setting aside you for a moment and acknowledging the work of the Holy Spirit already in you. Timothy wasn't a, a perfect person, and none of us are, but Timothy was connected to the one that was going to give him the power to do the things that were necessary. So if you, if you want to step into what it means to be trained in godliness, it must start with an open acknowledgement that it is His work in us. So as we go into this last song, um, this is my encouragement to you. Sit as long as you need. Uh, you've got a, a, a safe three to four minutes. And don't just jump into this. Because sometimes out of habit we can be like, okay, this is... This is the wafer, and this is the juice, and I'm done. But have a moment with the Father to just go, in spite of me, because he said this, uh, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still a wreck, this is what he offered us. Let's pray. Father, I want to be a man that is disciplined for things that last forever. Not just a man that is disciplined for things that benefit me now. And Lord, we we need to desire your life and holiness and righteous living. We want to train ourselves in it so that we'll be prepared. And Lord, I pray that we would take this moment with communion just to set our feet again on the solid foundation of what the gospel is, is that you did what we could not. We, we could not save ourselves by, by right living or being good enough, but that you loved us enough to die, to shed your blood for us, to open the gospel to Gentiles, people that were not your people, that you made us your people. And so Lord, I pray that you would stir us this morning, that we wouldn't just in this moment desire you, but Lord, as we go into tomorrow and in this week, that we would lay down, we would begin to order our lives that would reflect our desire to know you more thoroughly. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to lay down our lives for you over and over again. So, Lord, be honored as we worship you in this last song. Be honored as we take communion and celebrate your finished, completed work on the cross for us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on the Reach Community Church Podcast. We'd love to have you join us next Sunday. You can learn more about our mission at reachcommunitychurch.com.